Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Xenophon's work, the Symposium, one of the characters who is depicted and who tells us a bit about his own frame of reference and way of life is Antisthenes, who is viewed by many as the first cynic, a student of Socrates, who took on certain features of the Socratic approach to life and then transformed it into its own philosophical school. So we find some interesting things coming up in Book 3. And, and particularly in book four, where Antisthenes gives a longer, although rather short speech about the way he looks at, for example, wealth. So in book three, during this drinking party, that's what a symposium is, Socrates is saying, nobody objects to the proposal that each of us should state what he thinks is his most valuable area of expertise. Callias has said that they can dine with him if we give a display of our expertise. And Callias says, if each of you will inform the company what beneficial thing you're an expert in. So they all have to say what it is that they're literally bringing to the table. And there's a couple who talk about matters and then Antisthenes is going to interrogate them in a bit. So Callias says, let me tell you what I am most proud of. I believe I can make people better. Well, that's a good thing, right? So Antisthenes says, teaching them what? Some manual skill or true goodness? And then Callias says, the latter, if true goodness means morality or how to live. And Antisthenes says, of course it does. Most unquestionably, courage and cleverness are admitted to be sometimes injurious both to one's friends and one's country. Moral goodness has no connection at all with wickedness. And so Callias says, okay, good. And then Nicaratus talks as well. And he says, well, I have a skill. My dad made me memorize Homer, the Odyssey and the Iliad. Isn't that great? I can now repeat by heart the entirety of these works. And Antisthenes says, don't you understand that rhapsodes all know these poems? Rhapsodes are people who interpret the poetry for other people. And he says, how could I not know it when I listen to them almost every day? And then he says, do you know any class of people sillier than they are? And Nicaratus says, no, I don't think that I do. But then Socrates comes in with a save and he says, no, because they obviously don't understand the underlying ideas, but you've paid a lot of money so that none of the important points has escaped you. And he allows Nicaratus to, you know, think that he's got something really valuable there. So then when Antisthenes is himself asked about what is the valuable thing that he has, you know, since other people are talking about good looks and stuff like that, what does Antisthenes say that he himself has? He says, my wealth. And now this is kind of a weird thing for him to say because he's not a rich guy. So how is it he's priding himself on his wealth? How is that something that he's bringing to the table? Is it going to turn out it's something that he's learned in part from Socrates also by living and it's something that can be shared with others. He can even make a loan on the scanty wealth that he has. In book four, we find out how that's the case. And we should pick up the story of Callias and Nicaratus a little bit first. Callias is the one who's, you know, actually helping people out and hosting them. So 
Callia says, I spend the time making people morally better. Socrates says, well, how do you do that? And he says, by giving them money. <laughs> I help them out by giving them money. And in a way, you know, you can, you can understand this. Giving people money allows them to do things that could make them better people. It certainly keeps them from needing to steal in order to, you know, feed themselves or clothe themselves. And Antisthenes says, do you think people keep morality in their minds or in their pockets? And Callie says, in their minds. So how are you making their minds morally better by putting money in their pockets? And he says, well, because they know they've got something with, with which to buy what they need. They don't need to risk committing crimes. And then he says, do they repay all that they get from you? And Callia says, no, no, they don't at all. And he says, do they do you favors in return for your money? Oh, no, no, they don't do that either. Some of them are even more hostile than they were before. So Antisthenes says, that's a weird thing. So you can make them better people, but they're only better to other people, not to you, their benefactor. The hint there is, well, you're not really making them better people. Nicaratus kind of gets off the hook because you can hear from me now how you'll be improved if you associate with me. You know, I presume that within the poems of that greatest of sages, Homer is information about practically every aspect of human affairs. So if you want to become a good estate manager or politician or general, or become like Achilles or Ajax or Nestor or Odysseus, give me your attention. I have this knowledge. You can quote the right passages to help you do all of these great things. Then Antisthenes says, do you know how to be a king too? Just because you're aware that Homer praised Agamemnon as both a good king and stout warrior. And this doesn't really go anywhere in terms of criticism, but you can see some parallels here to like how Plato is going to have some ion treating by Socrates in that dialogue by that name, the ion. When they get to Antisthenes, after going through several other people, he says something rather paradoxical. So he's going to tell us about his wealth. Socrates says, you tell us how it is you pride yourself on your wealth, although you have such limited means. So you don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of property. How are you wealthy? And how is this something that is beneficial? And Antisthenes notes a number of different things. So first he talks about cases of wealthy and powerful people. And he says, I believe it's not in their estates that people have wealth or poverty, but in their minds. I see many people who, though they have very great wealth, they consider themselves so poor, they submit to any hardship and any hazard with a view to increasing their possessions. I know of cases of brothers who have inherited equal shares, and then one has more than enough to cover his expenditure, the other is indigent. I even observe despots who are so hungry for wealth, they commit far more dreadful crimes than the desperately poor. So having wealth, having power, doesn't actually make you wealthy if the measure is, being driven to acquire even more wealth. If you'll sell yourself out or sell out your brother or your country person in order to make more money, you're really a poor person. Even though you might have a million dollars in the bank account, if you need to have another 10 or 20 or million more, you're not rich, right? So that's a big issue. And he talks about this as being like a person who's got a ton of food, but is still eating all the time. They're never reaching the limit of their appetite. They're never satisfied. And this is kind of interesting. It's kind of paradoxical. Why do we want money? 
We shouldn't want it just for its own sake because it's no good for anything. Whether it's electronic stuff, it's just a bunch of you know ones and zeros. Or if it's paper money, there's only so much you can do with that. Or coins. You want it so that you can feel secure, so that you can have a good life, right? But if it's not providing you with a good life, you're not really wealthy any more than the person who's got a ton of food and just keeps on eating it. Antisthenes contrasts his own way of life to this saying that I feel sorry for these people. The quantity of my possessions is such that I can hardly discover them, but I still have quite enough to satisfy myself, satisfy my hunger when I eat, to quench my thirst when I drink, to clothe myself so that out of doors I'm no colder than Callius here for his great wealth. I mean, you think about it this way. If you have one good winter coat, you're covered. Maybe boots and hat and gloves too, right? You need up here. And he says, when I get home, the walls of my house seem to me like a really warm tunic, the roof like a really thick cloak. My bedclothes are so adequate that it's hard work even to wake me up. I don't need a, a mansion. I don't need all sorts of decorations. All I need is a place that's got the creature comforts that I'm looking for. And I don't really care, he would go on to say, if you know we were putting it in his mouth today, I don't care what color my blanket is or whether my pillows are from this company or that company or how pretty my bed is. It's for sleep. Sleeping in, you know, the roof, it's for keeping rain off my head. He even goes on to talk about sexual matters and he says, if my body feels the need for sexual intercourse, I am so content with what is available that any women I approach welcome me with open arms because nobody else will go near them. So he's saying, if sex is what I want, I'm not going to be picky about it. I'll sleep with whoever is going to be cool with that and they'll be happy. I'll be happy. We don't have to make a big thing of it. And he says, Mark, you, I find find pleasure in all these things that my prayer would be to enjoy doing each of them, not more, but less. I have such feeling that some of them give me more pleasure than is good for me. And then he goes on and he says, not only am I satisfied, I actually enjoy my pleasures more because I can wait for them. So I, I don't actually eat until I do get hungry and then the food tastes better. I don't drink until I get thirsty. I don't have to stimulate myself. I just see where the appetites that I do have and will indulge in a moderate way are going to lead me and then I can enjoy them more. He gives the example at this dinner party. He says, just now I'm drinking this Thassian wine, which is like one of the better kind of wines, not because I'm thirsty, but because the opportunity presented itself and I can, I can have a good time. He also goes on and says, listen, it's all also easier if you don't have a lot of demands like this to be moral in conduct. And this is going back to Callius's point about you give people money, you fill up their wallets or their pockets, and then they're going to be good people. Antisthenes is saying, no, 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 that's not the case at all. If you don't desire that much, then you're not going to be reaching for everybody else's stuff. You can give people money and they can still go out and steal things. They can still behave badly towards their neighbor, right? Because they haven't figured out what they, they really want and how to be satisfied. Another thing he points out is he has more spare time and leisure to do what he wants, which in his case, he says to hang out with Socrates. And here's where we get to something really interesting. So remember a little bit earlier at the start, Antisthenes says wealth is really in the mind. At another point, he says, when I want to have a good time, I don't buy luxuries in the market. I supply myself from my own mind. I rely on what I've got to think about. Thinking is free. So he talks about Socrates and he says, this is the kind of wealth that makes people generous. Socrates, from whom I obtained it, didn't supply me by quantity or weight, but handed over to me as much as I could carry away. What are we talking about there? Discourses. 
ideas, things we can lock away in our head and bring out for ourselves to think about. Antisthenes was famous for being able to like have conversation with himself. That was one of the things that he said he learned from philosophy. He's learning that from Socrates. That's something he can give to other people as he's doing in this very dialogue. When Antisthenes finishes his speech, then Callias says, I envy your, your wealth. First, the state doesn't impose tasks on you. Second, people aren't angry if you don't lend them anything. And then Nicaratus says, don't envy him. You'll see me get a loan from him of his faculty for needing nothing. Isn't that an interesting idea? You can loan out to other people this way of living you have, this knack, this understanding, and you're not actually losing anything by lending it to them. You're, you're really just giving it to them or replicating it in them. So this, according to Antisthenes, this is where real wealth lies. It's not in having a ton of money. It's not in having multiple houses or a garage full of cars or a whole bunch of shoes or whatever it's going to be, right? It's being able to be satisfied with what you do have. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.